Hello and welcome to Capital Cast. I'm Jerry Nowicki, and today I'm speaking to Secretary of State candidate Anna Valencia in the second of three planned interviews with Democratic candidates for the office. Anna Valencia has been the Chicago City Clerk since 2017. She spent time working for U.S. Senator Dick Durbin, who has endorsed her, and was employed in the Illinois State Senate. That level of experience, she believes, suits her well for the Secretary of State's office, which oversees driver services facilities, the state library, lobbying registration, and several other tasks. Valencia is one of four Democratic candidates on the ballot looking to fill the shoes of outgoing Secretary Jesse White, who has held the office since 1999. White has endorsed Valencia, as has Governor J.B. Pritzker, who dropped $55,000 in her campaign account Tuesday for the final stretch run ahead of the June 28th primary. Along with Durbin, she has the endorsements of Illinois' other U.S. Senator, Tammy Duckworth, and a long list of local elected officials, abortion rights group, prominent firefighters union, and others. Today our conversation focuses largely on policy, but we do touch briefly on the exchange of criticisms between her and former state treasurer Alexei Janoulias, another candidate for the office who has maintained a fundraising lead and backing of several prominent labor unions. Valencia has been on the defense regarding claims of a potential conflict of interest stemming from her husband Rayad Cosme's career as a lobbyist in Chicago. He's also registered with the Secretary of State's office to lobby the governor and lawmakers. I'll point listeners to the coverage of the race from Chicago Tribune's Jeremy Gorner and his colleagues, and I'll leave some of the links to that coverage in the description of this podcast so you can learn more about some of the accusations that have been flying in the race. Valencia, meanwhile, has denied impropriety and issued her own ethics plan, including the planned release of her and her husband's tax returns each year, and you'll hear more about the other facets of the plan in the discussion that follows. You'll also hear more about her plans for the office, which include an Illinois Civics Corps, modernization of the office, a potential expansion of a free government ID program she oversaw in Chicago, and why she thinks she can be successful in working with lawmakers. So here's my conversation with Anna Valencia. So let's start off at the basic level as, uh, what does the Secretary of State do? Well, I think a lot of people, when I told them I was running for city clerk, they said, you know, exactly the same question, why city clerk? But you really don't understand how much the Secretary of State's office has an impact on your daily lives and how much that they do in government to make things more accessible to communities. So not only is it the DMV, which I know a lot of people have experiences there, um, but they also register businesses. Um, they also offer consumer protection. And a lot of things that I think my most exciting part is they are the chief librarian. So they oversee the 5,000 state libraries here in the state and work a lot on um, grant making and helping with adult literacy and helping um, have play a part on how do we modernize our libraries in the future and what does that look like. So I think a lot of people just don't have an understanding what the Secretary of State does, but that's, that is something um, major. They also oversee all the capital buildings, the state buildings, biggest like real estate agent in the state of Illinois with a little bit less than 4,000 employees and around $400 million budget. Right. So, um, as you noted, the the main uh, interaction people have with the Secretary of State is going to be at their 
Secretary of State Motor Vehicle Facilities. So um, do you have a sort of on-the-ground uh, day one plan as to how you make those daily interactions better? Yes. So as a city clerk of Chicago, one of the focuses I started on day one when I came into office is how to modernize our system. Because I understood just by seeing with my own eyes coming in of how many things we're doing very paper-based system, um, which is very archaic. And I also had a, you know, really great conversation with my union and our frontline workers on what are the tools in their toolbox they needed to be set up for success. And so we really looked at designing a system um, that is really based on the user end, our customers, and on our frontline workers. The last five years, we have implemented that system. So at the city clerk's office, we now have an e-commerce platform, which is uh, you, you come in. It's like an Amazon cart feature. And we have expedited shipping. So you can purchase online and get it, not lost in the Chicago mail, but get it in two to three business days. We have e-forms that we also started using, more of the e-forms instead of having to fax or scan and PDF something in. And so I'm going to take a lot of this knowledge to the Secretary of State's office and first ask our frontline workers at the DMV, what does it need, what do you need, and the tools in your toolbox to be set up for success? Um, I know the system is still on a cobalt system, and they are trying to modernize that, and Secretary White has done a fabulous job on really bringing that office into the 21st century. I'm very proud to have his endorsement. Um, Secretary White made history 24 years ago as the first African-American to serve as Secretary of State. I will be the first woman coming in as Secretary of State in history of Illinois, which is kind of crazy. We're just not having a woman now. Um, But very excited to already have these conversations about what's needed. And there is actually a lot of funding at the federal level, uh, an infrastructure bill that passed that we can go after on things like cybersecurity and technology integration. So day one, I will put a working group, internal and external, to look at the ways that our customers interact with our system and our frontline uh, workers as well. <clears throat> from there, we'll start to designing what a system looks like to go from hardware infrastructure to a more software iCloud. That's the clouding system is where things are at now. That's what we're doing at, at the city clerk's office. And when you're able to make those upgrades, you can look at a mobile app that is a one-stop shop portal where you can pay online, register your business, uh, renew your vehicle, renew your sticker, all in a one-stop shop using e-forms, e-signature, um, maybe even taking your vision test online. All these things are possible with your mobile device. So that's going to be our very prime focus. When you do that, um, it'll be easier for folks to get the services they need. It'll also be easier for our frontline workers to have the tools of technology in their toolbox to get uh, customers in and out quickly. And you think that the federal infrastructure funds, uh, would, the, would those have to pass through the state via the General Assembly uh, for your office to be able to use? Yes. Well, we could talk to Senator Dick Durbin, Senator Duckworth, both our U.S. senators here to look at what federal funds are available, and it will go through the state, and you can know, be earmarked for us, or we can work with the state legislature and the governor's office to get some of those funds. But there's things like cybersecurity, uh, data infrastructure, things that would um, land in our shop. There's also things about the digital divide and broadband expansion, which I would love to look at for our library system to make sure all of our libraries have high internet access and broadband access, because a lot of them played a critical role during the pandemic, especially in rural communities. 
where families went to their libraries, you know, even if they were closed, to download their kids' e-learning materials during the pandemic um, from the parking lots. Okay. So one of the other things I, I had noted, it, it, um, your city key program, uh, I understand that's something in the city of Chicago. I'll have you tell me more a, a little bit about that. And then I understand that's something you wanted to expand uh, or, I guess, scale to a statewide level. It's something we definitely want to look at. So the municipal ID card was not our idea. It actually came from advocates that had been championing it for almost a decade of trying to get access to identification. At times, it's very hard to get the state ID, and even now, the real ID is impossible for a lot of communities of all the documentation that you need. So think of undocumented communities, homeless, domestic violence survivors, um, veterans, LGBTQ uh, youth. <laughs> a lot of these folks have hard times getting the documentation they need, or it could be the barrier or the fee. So I met with a lot of these organizations early on when we were developing the municipal ID card to ask out what kind of barriers, what kind of access to documentation do they have. And so what we created was a um, not only a government ID, but we integrated the library card, the CTA transit card, and a prescription discount card all in one government ID, and it's free. It's the first government ID in Illinois that you can self-identify your gender. It also has a veteran designation and an organ donation for intent. It also has a space on there to allow you to put any medical conditions that you have. So, if, you know, there's something happening and an EMT stops and sees that you're allergic to something or um, have a condition they know right away. So one of the things that I've seen that um, not having a government ID can really hinder you, hindrance from getting housing, employment, baking, uh, even you needed government ID to show at a food pantry. So we really wanted to make sure that we were making identification accessible so people can get back on their feet. We also didn't want to be a stigma card. So there's no indicator of that. If my, my, gut, my city key card, my municipal ID looks the same as someone who's undocumented or recently reentry community or homeless. There's no stigma to it. It also has about 80 business partners, including the Field Museum, that offers a free day um, at the museum if you show your city key card. So it's something that I want to look at statewide of making sure that people have access to identification. Um, when we talk about temporary driver's license, the TBDL program, I've been talking to state reps who have supported my campaign about how do we look at state law to not have a stigma on that card, but allow folks to get the temporary driver's license, but not know that it's only for undocumented folks. Because when there's not a stigma, more people will get their temporary driver's license. They will then get insurance. So it's safer for everyone to be on the streets. So, and this, does it take the place of your license? No, 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 no. So you cannot use it to drive. You cannot use it to fly. Any federal program you can't use it for. It's only good in the city of Chicago. But you can use it to show, um, you can use it for housing. We've done a partnership with Department of Family Services here in Chicago, where uh, homeless veterans were able to use it to get into temporary housing. We've also had some banking partners that accept it over opening banking accounts. Um, and there's other places that accept it. You can accept it to get um, your prescription. You can accept it to get into a city building. You can accept it to uh, pick up your, your kids' uh, report cards, accept it for food at a food pantry here in Chicago. So what are the challenges then of scaling that statewide if, if that's an initiative? 
I think we would have to look at seeing what kind of communities offer what and seeing if this could be like another type of identification that people can get to graduate to the state ID or to a driver's license. It could be your first step and barrier entry. Once you get the city key card, you're able to get more documentation that you need to then get the state ID or then to get the driver's license. Okay. So some of the things we're talking about here, uh, probably many of them would require um, action from the General Assembly. Is there anyone you can count on as a day one ally in the GA that would help you sort of implement this stuff? Absolutely. I think the beauty of this is I've had relationships um, over the last decade working in Illinois politics. I worked for Senator Durbin. I worked in the state Senate and President President John Cullerton. You know, I've grown up in Illinois and I've been very active as a city clerk for the last five years and beyond. I actually worked with Secretary White, Governor Pritzker, and the state legislature, State Rep. Carol Amon, and State Senator Omar Aquino on a bill in 2019 when we started our fines and fees reform here in Chicago. I led on fines and fees reform here in the city of Chicago because I met a bus driver who had $5,000 in city sticker ticket debt here in North Lawndale on the west side of Chicago, a father of five. When the city of Chicago told him in order to get on a payment plan, he had to put half down to start a payment plan, 2500 We didn't have that. They suspended his driver's license. He lost his CDL. He lost his ability to provide for his family. To me, that's complete opposite of what you're supposed to be doing as public servants. So I worked with advocates, parents, Secretary White, the governor, and the state legislature, and we passed a bill that no longer suspends driver's license here in Illinois for non-moving violations. So 55,000 Chicago residents got back their driver's license and ability to get back to work. So I already have those relationships. I've also worked with the city council hand-in-hand on passing legislation here in the city of Chicago. So I'm very excited about doing that with the, the General Assembly. Uh, state State Rep. Lisa Hernandez, who is a leader in the House, is a supporter of mine and, and is very excited about the work that we're doing in the State Senate. I'm, I'm um, very excited about having support there in the State Senate. And, um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm excited that we'll get the support we need. And you had mentioned sort of a segue into fees and fines. What about the current fee structure at the Secretary of State's office? And is that something you think you'd you'd work with lawmakers to reconsider? Well, I will tell you this, something that we did in the city of Chicago. So my office at the city clerk's office is very similar to Secretary the Secretary of State office. I register our, all car vehicles in the city of Chicago. So if you do not register your car here, it's a $200 a day fine, which is insane. So what we found, though, is that many people were getting into debt with this ticket. We wanted to um, we wanted to find an affordable way for a pathway to compliance. So, again, we worked with the collaborative, and we came up with a four-month reduced-term city sticker. So if you buy a city sticker for a year, it's around $98. If you buy it for two years, it's around $120. But now we have a reduced term city sticker that we rolled out in 2019 as low as $31. So you can come in and buy kind of, you kind of pay as you go. We've actually seen a uptick in new compliance. So new people are going into compliance and staying in compliance. We've seen about $1.2 million in new revenue just from providing a pathway of compliance. 
So I would look at something at the Secretary of State's office that we can't look at everything as a one-size-fits-all. There are different needs around the state, but if we're able to have an affordable option that's kind of a reduced-term uh, vehicle sticker, that is something that I would definitely look at. I would also look at expanding a no-fee veteran city sticker or no-fee veteran sticker. At my office, we have a no-fee veteran uh, city sticker for anyone that served, as long as you have a veteran designation on your state ID or driver's license. Okay, so um, let's see. I also saw on your website um, you'll look to create partnerships between private foundations, corporations, and nonprofits to launch an Illinois Civics Corps. You described it as a first-of-its-kind program offering students and young people, regardless of their zip code, an opportunity for a job uh, and to be civically engaged. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? Sure. So, uh, you know, I don't know how much you know about my background, but I grew up in Granite City, so I did not grow up in a wealthy zip code. And I had the opportunity as a sophomore in high school to job shadow then State Senator Evelyn Bolts in my area. And I knew nothing about government or that this was even a pathway for me. And I remember my mom and I um, got my first suit at Express, and we drove an hour and a half to the Springfield Capitol. And I walked on into that dome and looked up and just felt that I wanted to be here someday. I didn't know how, but I knew that I wanted to make a difference for my community. And there are so many uh, young people across the state that don't get that access. That if you're not a donor's kid or you're not connected in any way, there's no way to even understand that dynamic or that you can be part of a change in your own community. That you could one day be running for Secretary of State. I mean, that is something that I did not even think was possible growing up in Granite City. And so I want this program to be for our young students across the state of Illinois to learn what it's like to be part of government to be, work from the inside. And that may be, you know, one day they want to run for office or they may want to have a career in a public service and make change from the inside. But they also have to know, know how the system works. They need to know how to find their voice, use their voice, amplify others, and be ready to take that battalion for when we step aside and they need to keep, you know, moving the ball forward for people. So I think that this will be a very um, it's going to be built with, I want to build it with other young people at the table. I want to build it with educators at the table and other community activists. This will be a design program that is not my vision, but their vision that I will help bring to life. Um, is it uh, a separate uh, line item for the Secretary of State budget that you're asking the General Assembly for, or... So right now they have an inter right now they have a paid internship program through the Secretary of State's office. It's limited. Um, we actually have a paid internship in the city clerk's office that's a line item every year for summer interns that we're able people are able to apply for online and through that they get to help with you know mobile city hall or selling city stickers or helping with the city key program, learning how our office works. So it'll probably be some kind of line item there that will also help supplement through private foundation and private fundraising to look at how to supplement that. And I did something very similar in the city clerk's office. I worked with Chicago Public Schools as well as the Obama Foundation. And um, Boeing gave us a $24,000 grant. 
and we were able to bring hundreds of Chicago public high school students, not from, you know, the best high schools in the, in the city. It was from neighborhood high schools and from the west and south side and the north side that came together for a day of learning. They learned about local government. They got to meet other students from different neighborhoods. They learned how to make policies on their own. They learned how to debate those policies and how to mock city council. They learned how to vote things up and down. They got to meet the mayor. They got to meet uh, commissioners and department heads, different community leaders, and to learn from them. It was very engaging. It was designed by students and um, Chicago Public High School civics teachers. And we touched so many students, and they would leave standing tall, feeling seen, understanding their power and their voice, and excited about one day running for office themselves or being civically engaged in their own communities. So that's what we really want to like focus on. It'll be through partnerships with folks that already do this work. It'll be through private, you know, other private funds to supplement. And I think it'll be wonderful for other students to meet people, young people to meet people from different parts of the state and understand how even though they may live miles from each other, they still face the same barriers and issues and how they can work together um, with, you know, these different demographics and different you know, mindset or perspectives for the common good. Okay, so you had you had mentioned uh, Secretary of State White's endorsement. Um, obviously, that's a big deal for you. Um, but do you kind of want to go into that? And also, what can you improve upon um, uh, from what Jesse White has done with the Secretary of State's office? Yes, yeah, so, um, it's been you know, an honor and very humbled to have Secretary White's endorsement. He has been a very, um, a beacon, a legend here, if you will, in Illinois politics. I think he is the biggest vote getter here in Illinois, and he's always been accessible and kind and has shown up, especially for young people with the Jesse White Tumblers, which has been around for 60 years, I think 60 plus years. And so he definitely has put his service in. And I am very excited you know, to follow in his footsteps. I know there are big shoes to fill, and I make the joke of I'm filling them with high heels. Uh, but there's a lot that I can learn from him in terms of making sure that we're always showing up to the communities and we're always accessible. And I really want to um, first double down on his mobile services. I think bringing services out to the community is um, something we have to continue to do and making it easier for people to get services in their neighborhoods, not always having to come to the facilities. So one of the things that I want to put a little twist on is not only bringing out, you know, your if you can get your renewals or you want to do your state ID, I also want to bring other departments with me, other state departments, <coughs> other local units of government, the county or your city with you. So it's a one-stop shop uh, resource there so that people could come in and grab, you know, something from our office, but maybe at Treasurer Frerich's office, maybe they can get something from their local mayor or their local city council member, sign up at their local park district for their kids to have gymnastics, whatever it is, in a one-stop shop. I also want to look at flexible hours, offering these resource fairs where we would rotate regionally on Saturday hours and evening hours at least once a month. In my office as a city clerk office, we started doing this as a mobile city hall offering Saturday hours and evening hours. We had three Saturdays in June that we offered throughout the city. And that helped a lot of families that don't have to take a day off work, find childcare or transportation to get to one of our offices that we are actually in their neighborhood. 
um, in the southwest and northwest side of Chicago, uh, where where they can easily get to at their park district facility. So that's something I want to build upon is the mobile services, but put a little twist to it and also offer flexible hours. I think I went into also um, I went into some of the DMV innovations that I want to do, but on the library side, <clears throat> I think there's a lot of um, room of growth for the 21st century of innovation in our libraries. When I've been to around the state, I met, uh, I went through the Rockford Library, and they had a really neat maker's lab that was open to the public to come in and use their 3D printers without charge. So if they want to, an entrepreneur wants to walk in and test their product, they can. In Champaign County, there are programs for free software coding. So adults and young people can learn how to software code, which is great skills for the future of work. And also in McLean County, you know, I heard how they really are looking to make sure their libraries have strong broadband access, especially in rural communities, because they were used so much during the pandemic. So I want to make sure that we are beefing up our innovation grants and our technology grants at the state library. And if we have to supplement that, again, with foundation support, we need to, or going after federal dollars, we need to do that so that we can give out more grants to our libraries to continue to be more innovative and attract our young people to come in and our families to not only learn about adult literacy or literacy for kids, but digital literacy and making sure they understand that as well so that they're prepared for the 21st century. So let's see, you know, I, I, did, I don't want to get too deep into the woods in, in how the race has been going, but um, it seems the bad blood between you and uh, Mr. Janulius, uh, there's a lot of things being said about each other with with the things you're saying about him and he's saying about you, could could you find yourself endorsing him should uh, you, uh, should he win the nomination? Well, look, I've always supported Democrats and I will always continue to do that uh, no matter what happens in this race. I'm sad that it got uh, negative and unfortunately I think my opponent had to go there hard on me to be able to win because he doesn't have a record to stand on. But regardless of what happens in the race, um, you know, I will continue to support Democrats. Okay, so let's let's uh, pivot to ethics because I know there was a large section of what you wanted to do with the office and the Secretary of State obviously oversees lobbying. Um, what's what's the plan there? I know you had said you and uh, your husband will release tax returns each year and he won't lobby the uh, um, uh, state of Illinois lawmakers or whatever. So uh, w w what are you thinking with ethics uh, as far as the Secretary of State's office goes? Well, I think we'll, we should have more full disclosure, the statement of economic interest to ensure that you know, there's nothing there um, and there's no different perception. I'm happy to do that. I've already you know, released our tax returns. I, we're prepared to do that every year. Um, that we won't do any individual stock trading. I think that's also important. You know, putting a um, the revolving door for the state legislature, or state legislators leave, leaving, leaving, and then immediately being able to lobby. We want to end that practice as well. Um, so there's a lot of different ways I think we can tackle ethics. I think the state, the General Assembly last year did a, you know, a really good ethics reform package that they were able to get through. Um, and and I know that I want to continue to support those efforts. I know the new Speaker of the House and the Senate President have worked on a package with the Governor's Office, and I think they're going to continue to do more on it. Um, I don't think it's something that's ever going to go away. 
And I understand that we have to continue to build trust. I think also building trust means you show up for your communities um, when they're in need. You're accessible, like I am today. Ask, you know, ask me any question. I haven't skipped a forum. You know, I am um, here to answer any question, unlike my, unlike my opponent who refused to show up to debates. Um, Alexi didn't come to the forum last night. He hasn't come to a debate and doesn't want to answer any questions about his, his ethics. And so I'm happy to always be transparent, open, and have those honest dialogues with anyone in the GA um, or anyone in the press or in the community who has any questions. So um, you mentioned Jesse White's 20 years of service. Is that something you'd shoot for if you're there, or are you going to explore other opportunities? <laughs> I think my husband would uh, definitely not. I, I don't think he would. I think he'd find another wife if I decided to be in public service for 20 more years. Uh, no, you know, I really just enjoyed it. I didn't, I didn't actually see myself ever being city clerk. Um, I always thought I'd be behind the scenes on uh, staffer role. I really enjoyed that role. It wasn't until 2016 that things shifted for me. For a lot of women, after the 2016 race, there was a fuel of fire and just this wanting to get and do more because we knew who was going to be in the White House for four years. And so that really forced me to leave the behind-the-scenes roles and raise my hand to be an elected official and become city clerk. And during my time as city clerk, I mean, you have to think, I, I was sworn in five days after Donald Trump, and I was in charge of this municipal ID card where there was so much fear in the undocumented community and not want to give any information to government because they were afraid of it being FOIA and being used to deport them. And so we really had to build trust in the community and build something, co-collaborate and build with so many different uh, marginalized communities to keep that trust and make something happen for them. And so I've led not only under Donald Trump's presidency, but Governor Bruce Rauner's budget crisis, and a global pandemic. So I am battle-tested and ready for the new challenge. And I've really enjoyed my time as city clerk and this operational role because the operational role may, may kind of sound boring. We've been able to do a lot of good for people's lives. And that's why I'm running for Secretary of State is just be able to help a larger number of people be able to get the services they need on time, feel like they're accessible, feel like their value seen and heard in government, and that it works for them and that they can trust it. Because trust has been broken after four years of Donald Trump. I mean, our democracy was at stake. All righty. Anything else on your mind before I let you go? No, just thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to actually talk about policy. It's refreshing to just talk about policy and not just the political dynamics and the nastiness of campaigns. I think people get turned off by that and are just looking for people to do the job. And that's why I'm running is to do the job. And if we don't have good people run, we get things like Donald Trump. And so I'm putting myself out there to serve and, you know, hopefully we'll get, get your, get your listeners votes on June 28th. And just thank you for your time. It's been a really wild ride for 18 months, but it's been a honor and it's been so fun to get to know people across Illinois and, and hear what they're, um, what they want changed and to go and try to make it happen for them. That was Anna Valencia, Chicago City Clerk and candidate for Secretary of State. Tomorrow we'll have more with candidate Alexi Janulius. Stay tuned to this podcast app and at CapitalNewsIllinois.com for more on this race and for more on the GOP primary from my colleague Peter Hancock.